Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Chiang Mai, Thailand with my new friend Tom Liebelt of smartbrandmarketing.com. Tom is a digital brand marketing expert living in a popular expat paradise. He loves the ease of life and safety of the city and how it's surrounded by nature. In this episode, Tom and I talk about the flying lanterns at the Yipeng Festival, visiting elephant sanctuaries, and gorgeous temples filled with history and reverence. Hear about these three amazing attractions, plus so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Chiang Mai. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWalt to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So today we're talking about Chiang Mai, Thailand. And it's a city I've heard a lot about. Uh, some of my friends have visited there. I haven't had the pleasure to do it yet, but hopefully one day I will. Uh, what actually brought you to Chiang Mai? I'm a part of this business group, and they have conferences in Bangkok uh, every single year around October. And I came to one uh, maybe six, seven years ago. And what happened after the conference, people migrated to different cities. Some of them went to um, Saigon, some, which is Ho Chi Minh City. Some to Chiang Mai, some to Bali, and I moved with the crowd that went to Chiang Mai the first time. And I, you know, sort of liked it. Um, the second year I went to Ho Chi Minh City, I did not like it. So I went back to Chiang Mai, and people, you know, gave me tips, you know, how to get around, what to see, how to actually enjoy the city, and I kind of stuck with it. You know, I, I've moved all over the world. You know, I've been in like 15, 16 countries, living for months at a time, and this is one of the places I come back to. But that was the beginning. It was because of a conference and like kind of my migration afterwards. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, you actually have a really interesting backstory of being originally born in Poland. You left there uh, at the age of 11 to go to the U.S. and then learned a lot about sales and marketing and business. And then now you're a digital nomad teaching people how to do better marketing of the products online and, and everything else. Is that correct? Pretty much. The only thing, you know, the whole digital nomad thing, I'm kind of over it. I'm more of like a fucking expat now. I have a place to stay in the U.S. I have a place and an office here, and I have a place in Poland, in Warsaw, right? So I, I travel between three, depending on the weather, how I feel, what the year looks like. If we were to describe Chiang Mai in just a couple of words, how would you do that? I would say it's a hustle city in a way. The hustle where you're kind of getting up to that stable point for most people, right? So they, they want to make their first thousand, two, three thousand dollars. And I find that when you come at the right time, which is between like September and January, often you'll find thousands of actual digital nomads, right? But trying to make it in the town, which makes things easier, right? Because you have people to kind of bounce ideas off of and meet. Um, and then you have like the solid crew of people who actually make money, who just live here kind of like me. So it's two different types, but I would say it's a bit of a hustle city because people, majority that come here, they want to make it. Like that's their thing. They came to Chiang Mai, we got to make this happen. So it's, that's kind of the feeling. Even though it's a slow town, it's kind of funny. 
That's really cool because I, you know, I've heard a lot about Chiang Mai. One, just from a vacation perspective, but also from the digital side. You know, we're both you and I operate in with the the podcast and, and blogs and things of that nature. I know a lot of people go there because of the low cost, the excellent food, and the history that they can explore when they maybe take take a day off here and there. But it's a great way that if you are looking to to start working in the, in the digital space, low cost of living, your dollar really goes really far. And like you said, there's a there's a big concentration of people all doing similar things. So that way you can collaborate with people around the town. Yeah. So it's fairly inexpensive. Um, I mean, it depends how you live, right? It's like for me, I spend a similar amount you would spend in maybe like the Midwest of America, right? Because I used to live in New York, which, you know, was very expensive. But, you know, like the mid Midwest of America, I just get more for it. So car prices, apartments are very similar if you want to live well, in my opinion, right? You can always get to the cheap stuff, but I don't want to live cheaply, right? But for example, services, right? They're super cheap. You know, if you need delivery or you need like a massage or anything, super, super cheap. And food, since it's imported, like at least the stuff I usually eat, you're looking at the same prices as America or Europe or a little more. But then, you know, you can get the local food, which will be cheaper if you go to the food stalls. And then if you go to the finer restaurants that, that deliver Thai, also similar pricing to like Midwest America. Like a dinner for me and the girlfriend will be like $45, $50. So that's pretty equal, right? To it's like the U.S. prices. Yeah. So it's not as cheap as you would see on like the YouTube videos. Like, I don't know how those people live on like three, dollars $400. <laughs> My car rental is $300 here, you know. So I don't know. But you could if you wanted to. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's think about this. You mentioned that briefly there. If people are planning their trip to come to Chiang Mai, and there's certain times of the year that are better to visit than others because I know it can get really hot and humid in the summertime. Yeah. So it's not really summertime. It's it's the monsoon season, right? When you're talking about the humidity. So between May and September, it's the rainy season. You know, So it's not the summer in Thailand. Summer in Thailand is between February and May. That's when it's hot and dry. If you do go, you want to go to the to the beach because it's super, super smoky in Chiang Mai because they're burning fields. It's dry. Like it's it's just insane. You, like you do not want to be here between February and May. And then between September after the monsoon season and before the burning season, it's the best, best time in Chiang Mai. It's usually beautiful. You know, we have mountains around. We have waterfalls. The weather is you could say it's a winter in Thailand, but it's, you know, it doesn't get cold, but you can actually wear a sweatshirt in the evening sometimes. And it's, you know, it's beautiful. <laughs> so <laughs> That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So, so that's the months I would recommend if someone was just coming to see it, like October, November, you're solid. Perfect. Okay. Also throughout the year, there's a, there's probably certain festivals that happen. Like I was doing a little bit of research ahead of time, like the Thai New Year is like kind of in, in April based on like the lunar calendar. And I think that's probably right before they really start doing all the all the burning of the fields, correct? So it's towards the, the end of the burning season. And it's pretty much like a water fight for four days. I usually leave to go down south or somewhere else during that time for two reasons. One, it's always smoky up here. And down south, it's nicer. And then two, I don't appreciate getting thrown, you know, water thrown at me five days in a row. <laughs> yeah. The first day is fun. The second day you're like, okay, I'm starting to get annoyed. By the third or fourth day, you're like, okay, people, you need to stop. Well, yeah, especially, you know, most people here, you know, ride on scooters, right? Like I have a car now, so I don't care. Like they can throw water at the car. It's not going to, they just wash my car. 
But if you're on a scooter, right, and someone's in a pickup truck throwing water at you, it's pretty dangerous. There is a better festival, I think. Uh, it's called uh, Loi, Loi Katong, I think. Yeah, I've heard about that, the Loi Katong and Yipeng Festival. It happens in November. I wasn't able to see exactly what it's about, but... Yeah, so Loi Kratong, it's not as awesome as it used to be because of like the regulations that they started doing. Um, but basically, you were getting these lanterns, these really big lanterns, along with every other person in town and letting them fly. You know, there's a little fire in it and like they fly by themselves, right? So it looked amazing. I'll actually send you a picture so you can put it in your show notes. You know, the whole sky was lit up with these beautiful lanterns. But, you know, when you have a lot of people, some are drinking, you know, these lanterns would go into people's trees, houses, power. <laughs> you oh, know. No, yeah. You know, it did create a mess. So they kind of stopped it. Like you can't do it in cities much. It has to be around the cities. Like they say how many. It's, it's just not as nice anymore. It's like the saying, this is why we can't have nice things. This <laughs> is why we can't have nice things. Because a couple <laughs> years ago, like the whole sky would be lit up. It was incredible. And it's still nice to see, but it's just not as... Um, I guess free as it used to be. You know, you just like plus people would shoot fireworks everywhere. So drunk people, fireworks go into the crowd, bad things happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well let let's back up for a minute. For people that are for me, I you know, I live in the US. You know, I I can easily figure out how to get there, but for people who are listening, maybe don't know how to get to Chiang Mai, what's the best way to get to Chiang Mai? And and uh, obviously you're gonna fly into the to the major airport there, but the problem is going to be a little bit different as far as which airlines you would come if you're coming from the U.S. versus coming from other parts of Asia and, and things like that, right? Let's start with Asia. Air Asia, which is like a budget airline, they have an Air Asia X, right, which is a little higher end, which means you you actually can get a first class and you know kind of get better seats if you pay a little more. So you can fly in uh, with Air Asia uh, usually from anywhere within Asia, pretty pretty cheaply. From America, I have two of my favorites because I tried a lot and some of them were brutal. The first one is Korean Airlines. You stop in Korea. It takes about maybe 11, 12 hours to get to Korea. And from Korea, you fly straight to Chiang Mai, about five, six hours. It's very nice. Good flight. Love the airline. The second one is EVA. That's the Taiwanese airline. You go into Taipei from America around the same, I would say 11, 12 hours, and then four or five hours you're in Chiang Mai, straight to Chiang Mai. You don't even stop in Bangkok. And those are my favorite for that. To Europe, I usually fly Qatar. That's my favorite one. They fly directly from Chiang Mai to Qatar, and from Qatar you can go to anywhere else. For me, it's usually Warsaw, so I will fly right into it. And from here to Qatar, I think it's around five, six hours, and then from Qatar to Warsaw, about, again, six, seven hours. So, Small legs, in a way, right? And then Qatar has an amazing business lounge. Amazing. Okay, well, cool. So once we get to the airport, if we're going to go from the airport to where we're staying in the city, do we take public transportation? Do we rent a taxi? Like, uh, What's the best way to get around? So the two main areas um, that people stay in are around Niemen. Niemen is kind of like a touristy expat area. And there are like ones that kind of branch off of that, but that's where... Most people stay around this area or the old city, right? So the old city is kind of um, where like the, the more of the businesses and the hippies stay at and like stuff like that. So you have two different areas. They're both within 15, 20-minute drive from the airport, so it's not far. And you just take a taxi. They have a set rate, which is um, depends where you go, but it's around $6 to Neiman or the old city. And it's very easy to, to get wherever you need to go. 
And then once we get to wherever we're staying, if we're going to get around, should we have a car? Should we take the scooters? Like, how do we get around once we're actually in the city and out looking about? So this was my mistake in the beginning, right? Like, I did not like scooters or anything because I wasn't used to them in the States, right? So I walked around in Neiman and I didn't like the city. To enjoy it, you really do need something to get around. So now you have two options. You can get a scooter, right? Because it opens up the city to you. Or you can simply take Grab. Grab is like the Uber, except in Asia, right? And most of the places you can get to with like $1.50. Oh, wow. That's super cheap. They're everywhere. So it actually became easier now, right? Because Uber came in, they drawn the maps of Chiang Mai, and then Grab bought them out. So now it's, it works very, very well. Oh, fantastic. For me, I have a car because I simply like being able to pick up my own things from the grocery store, from the mall, go farther out, two, three hours. Or if we drive down south, that's like, you know, two days, we'll, you know, stop in, we'll make it like a seven-day trip, and we'll stop in different cities and enjoy Thailand, right, for like a little time. So... Plus, when it's raining, I'm getting kind of too old and jaded for the scooter. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm not dealing with this. It's raining. I want to get in the car. Yeah. But you can easily get around with just grab or a scooter. For most people, we'll just say grab. It's safer and it's so easy now. Well, one thing is I was looking at, they have something called like the, the red trucks. I guess those are like kind of taxis around town. They are. I, like They're like ripoff machines. When I first moved here, they... they I think we're a little better for maybe like a dollar you would sit in. And it's, it's kind of like half public transportation. They, you know, take in like six, seven people and they'll drop them off along the way. You just tell them where you need to get dropped off. So sometimes you'll just sit around driving around town for like an hour before they drop you off. But the price was decent. And then, you know, like when the competition came in, instead of thinking how to get better, they just thought about how they can scam people now, right? So now, like, you'll get up there and, like, he'll be like, oh, I want $10 for this little trip. I'm like, dude, that's two blocks, you know? <laughs> I just don't recommend them. The pollution they give off is insane, too. The drivers are usually a little unstable that I find. With all the options we have, it's like it's like the last thing I would recommend. I, I think it's also one of those things where sometimes we're a little bit too frugal, right? Like, yeah, maybe that's still cheaper than grab or, or some of the other options, but at what cost, right? Maybe you're saving $2, but it's going to take you an hour to get there versus if you took a grab, maybe it takes you 10 minutes. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, that's what it used to be like. And I would at that time say, okay, fine. I see why someone would go in a red truck, but now the price will be the same or more than grab. And I'm just like, why in the world would you do that? You know, like I said, instead of looking at competition and how we can improve, they just kind of locked in like, oh, we're going to be here and we're going to charge this. Now there's less and less of them because people are like, why should I take you? Like, there's no reason at all. And, you know, they feel like it's because we've been here first. Like, that's a good reason. Like, yeah, so it, it's not really competitive. And I even see most Thai people, they, they take Grab or they actually install the city bus going from here, from Neiman to the old city. And it's super cheap, too. So I see a lot of people that do take public transportation going on these other options, which are safer and cheaper, actually, than the red trucks. So, yeah, those are like the leftovers from the previous era, I would say. That makes sense. So let's talk about some of the things to do while we're there in, in Chiang Mai. So obviously, like temples are, are a big thing. There's a lot of history and a lot of culture there. What, what are some of the ones you recommend? People do come to the temples. Like with me, it's like I see, you know, one or two temples. I've seen them all. <laughs> I came more for the way of life. It's a nice tropical place. Everything's easygoing. Um, I, I can get much more bang for the buck 
than I would in a lot of places. It's safe, very little crime in Thailand. A lot of my friends are here. It's hard to find so many similarities with people around you as you would in Chiang Mai. So, you know, for example, if you go to a coffee shop in the U.S. somewhere and you just talk to someone, like, you usually have nothing in common. Here, the one thing you have in common is you both left wherever you're from and you're both probably working building something. So right away you have something in common, right? So it's like a, a little bubble. With that, would you say that majority of the people that you run into are going to be speaking English or do you have to learn uh, the local language? You will do just fine with English. Some of the Thai people know only the basics, but it's enough to kind of get around, to get things done. And you can always hire someone to translate if, if it's needed. But just to, you know, like enjoy life overall, you don't need any Thai. But there's one thing I would say, like if you do come here, there are a few things to see. You know, like I said, we have some amazing waterfalls up on the mountain. We have a town called Chiang Rai, which is around four hour drive away. They have some of the best temples I've ever seen. They have the black temple, the white temple, and the blue temple. And if you're going to see any temples, like those are the ones to look at. They're, they're insane, that level of detail. The elephant sanctuaries are something that I haven't been to personally, but everyone else I know has been to. You know, there's been over the last like, couple of years, there's been a lot of um, a lot of concern, I guess, about those type of things, right? So some of those sanctuaries, quote unquote, are more just very touristy and they treat the animals incorrectly, whereas some of them are actually doing good and preserving and, and taking good care of those animals. So how do you tell the difference? Do you know about that? Like I said, I personally have never been to one, but I bet if you, you know talk to any random hippie around here, they will have a <laughs> six-hour lecture on which one to see and which one you don't. Okay. <laughs> but there is enough of them where you can definitely pick, you know, something that's you know probably works well, and you know, like they, you'll go and you'll wash the elephants. Like I, I've had a lot of friends go and they said they loved it. You know, it's something to keep in mind. Some of them, what they've done is they bought out the elephants from the bad sanctuaries as they call them or like circuses or whatever and they they keep them as close to the wild i guess as you can make for them so it's definitely a thing you should keep on your list because it's huge in, in thailand like elephants are very kind of sacred animal here so but you know the thing about thailand it's so different from the u.s that just by driving around anywhere that you go you're going to feel like you're seeing things that's really cool now, you mentioned also that there's uh, some different waterfalls that we should maybe take a look at. Are there any that you'd recommend? There's a, just a mountain right next to Chiang Mai. It's got one main road. And off that one road, you can go into like 10 different waterfalls, right? So if you come here and you just look at the mountain, you take the tell, you know, the taxi guy just <laughs> or get a scooter. We're going up the mountain. You, you can't miss it. Is that where the, uh, the national park is? Yeah. That whole mountain's a national park. Yeah. Okay. And I, I'm going to totally butcher the name, but it's like, Doi Intanon uh, National Park? We have two, right? We have Doi Suthep, which is very close to us. It's a smaller mountain. And then Doi Intanon, which is the best, the biggest one. It takes like two hours to get there from Chiang Mai, where the first one's like 30, 40 minutes. But it's the highest mountain in Thailand. And I, I go there. I always take my friends there because they have this path at the top of Doi Intanon, which is like Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. So you go into the jungle and they have these wooden kind of bridges to take you around so you're like a little bit above the ground it's literally like out of the lord of the rings like when i take people through they're just like this is the craziest thing i've ever seen and i'm like yeah it's it's nice huh wow <laughs> super cool so okay now you mentioned earlier uh about getting massages and things like that when i was doing some research 
I saw that like, a, like an hour massage is like six dollars. Yeah, it depends where you go. It'll be between yes, yeah, six and like fifteen bucks for an hour or ninety minutes, which is like I said, it, it's crazy, right? The services are so cheap. In America, they'll be like a hundred, hundred fifty bucks. So I have uh, my favorite massage lady come to my place every Sunday morning. Me and the girlfriend, we both get ninety minute massages, and it costs both of us fifteen bucks. Oh wow. I know here in the US when we get a massage, obviously you're supposed to tip and everything. What's the tipping culture there, whether it's for the massage or when you're at a restaurant? Do you tip in addition or is it only if they do a really phenomenal job or is it kind of expected with every meal and every activity like that? There's no set rule with the tipping. Restaurants, most people don't tip. I do only if I go to the same place often because then, you know, my service gets a lot better, but I do that everywhere, right? Like I'll do it at the hairdresser. You know, most people tip them maybe like 50 cents. I'll do like three, four bucks. And then if I'm in a rush and I come in, they will push all the people out because Tom's coming in, you know? So it's (laughs) one of those, one of those things. I don't want to miss out talking about the food as well there, but one last question. I've seen things and I I know you had somebody that was on your podcast, I believe, uh, that's involved in like Muay Thai kickboxing. Where would people go if they wanted to see like a, a boxing match while they're there? So they have so-so matches every, I think, Friday or Saturday in the old city. And it's like 15 bucks. You can't miss it. It's like the old city is not big. Um, and there's flyers everywhere. If you want to see the best ones, you got to go to Bangkok. Like when he was fighting in one of the championships, I was in Bangkok at the time. And that was insane. It was, it was like a real professional. Like you, you think about like a big boxing event in America. You know, you got to go to Vegas. You got to go to New York. You can't just, you know, go to a small town. So it's the same thing. You got to hit up Bangkok if you want to see like the main, main guys, you know, duking it out. Yeah. Ever since I saw like that movie Bloodsport with Jean-Claude Van Damme back in the day, (laughs) I've always wanted to see him one in person. And so that might be a great thing to do while you're there. Or like you said, take a trip over to to Bangkok and and see the big deal. I would definitely go to Bangkok because you're going to see like amateurs. Like this fight here, I remember one of my friends, he actually wanted to go fight. So he trained for like six months and thankfully the trainer said, you're not ready. But the, you know, it's not much more quality than that. And someone trained for like two, three years and there's like two amateurs duking it out. Like his girlfriend actually fought my friend's girlfriend and she beat up this Thai girl and you could see that both of them shouldn't have been in the ring. Just the quality is not there. It's like, you might see one person, like there's a trainer. I know he's a Muay Thai trainer here, really nice Thai guy. And he goes fights there and it's, you know, that's, Pretty good because he's young, explosive, and, you know, he's not very big. But, you know, you're going to see, like, a mid-level at most. You're not going to see, like, the championship level. Like, the one where it's like, man, like, these guys could kill each other if they, you know, if they're not careful. And that's really Bangkok. I've been enjoying talking about all the, th- all like, your whole story and everything they do there. I don't want to miss out on talking about, real quick, if somebody was going to have a couple different places to, to eat, do you have any couple of quick recommendations? I've been thinking about this because I only randomly eat Thai unless it's the best, best Thai in the world. Like the food stands and things don't really attract me anymore. But we do have one. So my girlfriend's friend, he has been a chef since I think he was like 18, flew to France to really learn and came back and opened an amazing restaurant in Chiang Mai that I take everyone to. And it's really unknown. It's called Ban Landai, right? So it's B-A-A-N Landai, L-A-N-D-A-I, fine Thai cuisine. And the menu is not very big, but I would say 70% on it is the best Thai food you'll eat in your life. Wow, that's really cool. I'll send you a couple pictures too because you know we, we go there a lot. And it's, I mean, the food's amazing. 
Another one that's kind of unknown of the beaten path that I like to go is called October Cafe. It's in Neiman. And it's got a really amazing steak and really amazing beef soup. And it's Thai style. And I take a lot of people out there for lunch. And my personal to-go places too are Italics, which is kind of like a fancy hotel restaurant, but not really. Like I would call it mid-range, but the food's really good. And the Duke, if you want to get Western food. And that also Italics and the Duke have the best pizzas. Thin crust, which is the only thing I'll eat. Oh, fantastic. Cool, Tom. I really appreciate you sharing all these tips for Chiang Mai. I know I've learned a lot. And if I don't watch out, I'm going to sit here and talk to you for another half an hour. <laughs> so <laughs> now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal in Chiang Mai, where should they go and what should they eat? That's so hard, man. But I, if you're going to be in Thailand, I would say the Ban Lan Dai, which I mentioned, the fine Thai cuisine. And if it was only one meal, I guess I would say the red green curry that they serve there. So it's a mix of both and it tastes amazing. So you've been in Chiang Mai for a few years now. What's one of your most memorable stories of being there? I think that the festival back a couple of years ago with the lanterns, we went to an area which uh, is sort of like a college ground. And, you know, we were surrounded by, I think, 20, 30,000 people. And we were all setting off the lanterns into the sky. And, you know, as the sky kind of filled up with them, it's, it's just something I've never seen in my life something something of that caliber it was it was amazing um like i said i'll send you a picture or two of that but it was just it was was ridiculous that sounds mesmerizing (laughs) yeah i'll I'll never forget it just because of the visual part right it's like one of those things that one or two like great visuals just really sears the memory right in your mind it does and you know i was surrounded by friends and you know everything else was great but the actual visual was just so memorable like i you know anytime i close my eyes i can see it i love it Oh, speaking of like happy times and everything, where's the happiest happy hour in, in Chiang Mai? I am not much of a drinker, right? So when I do drink, it's only when like some of my best friends that we kind of get together for a special occasion. And for that, I go to the Anantara, which is the highest end resort in Chiang Mai. And it's just an amazing setting overlooking a river. Um, you have Thai dancers, you have a little live music on the side. It's very chill, very comfortable. Um, and they have some great drinks in there and you can have cigars. Oh, there you go. Right on. <laughs> well, one thing I always do is when I travel is I always check out the local pizza. It's always a little odd sometimes when I go to international countries and they go, where, uh, where's, and I'm asking for pizza. But you mentioned a couple places that actually uh, are Italian restaurants there in Chiang Mai. Are one of those the best places for pepperoni pizza? Yeah, we, we've tried a lot because I, you know, I do enjoy pizza and Italics and the Duke are the ones I would go. They're a little different, but the thin crust pepperonis are amazing at both. I'm going to have to try both when I go. <laughs> nice. You travel all over the world. You probably traveled more than I, I have. What's your best travel tip? It, it depends, right? Like before I used to travel very light only with carry-on baggage, right? Which is the easiest travel, right? You just get off the plane and go. You don't ever worry about your suitcase. Now, I actually bring a lot more stuff because I want to be super comfortable. So it it kind of depends which era of your life you're in. If you're like, you know, 20 to 30, just do a carry-on, man. It's the easiest, best way to go. But then when you get older and kind of set in your ways, then, you know, you you bring everything with you. Like, we even bring, like, I'll have my own pillow with me. Like, everything that's just like, I'm going to sleep properly everywhere I go. Yeah, it's one of those things that, especially when you're trying to be productive, you want to make sure you have a good time trying to fight off jet lag, those type of things. Having those little like small creature comforts make all the difference in the world. Yeah. 
like I said, once you get set in your ways a bit more. But you know, <laughs> it was funny too. The first time I went to Bangkok, I went with a carry-on. That's it, and came back. And the customs people and the people around the security area in the U.S. Uh, were so confused. Like you forgot your bag. I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I, was, I was just off and ready to go home, so quick. Yeah, it was just funny. Like they were even looking at me like, how did you do it? And before that, I went to Europe for two weeks with only just a carry-on. I remember my cousin in Sweden; she was looking at it like, "Can I just go through? I can't believe you're doing this." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm comfortable. I got everything." <laughs> Fantastic! Right on. <laughs> well, Tom, again, I appreciate you coming on the show, sharing all your tips for Chiang Mai. Can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then if they have questions about your business or about Chiang Mai, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Who am I? That's a very philosophical question, right? <laughs> I just started thinking about it. I'm a marketer. That's what I do. Like I, I have a couple of my own business and I have clients who I help market their businesses. I have an agency for many, many years now. I slow travel. You know, like I said, I have a couple places I only stay in now. And if you want to find anything about me, just go to smartbrandmarketing.com. That's where everything is. Obviously, you also have your podcast there for smart brand marketing. That is true. How often do the episodes come out? Uh, less than you. I, I come off whenever I feel like it. My business really kind of works off of referrals and my other content, like my emails and some of the stuff I put on social. So with the podcast, I feel like if I want to meet someone, learn something, answer a question from the audience, which I can't, or just have an amazing guest that just pops up, I'll do them. Otherwise, I feel like if I tried to do them too often, which I did before, the quality of the podcast went down a bit because I was like, oh, I just need to get a guest on. And often I was regretting it afterwards. I was like, oh, man, this guy had nothing interesting to say, but I had to put the podcast out. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I feel you. It's, it's sometimes it's like people just they, they have to fill that that slot and sometimes they just grab anybody they can. And I kind of like the way you're doing it, where it's uh, you're doing it intentionally, where it's if I'm going to put out this content, I'm doing it because this person has something really valuable to say. Yeah, and, and the thing is, when I think about my podcast, and you're going to have the same thing with yours in a way, because it's um, it's more evergreen. It's more about the town, and like so many things won't change over the I can point people to the old podcast, like, why should I put three podcasts out if this one answers everything that you need to know, right? Because it's evergreen. Like, we, we went into, like, the deeper into some concepts, and if you listen to that, you'll be ahead, you know? So I... I, I really don't like this filling the slots kind of, you know, like, oh, this Monday I have to release something, get someone on because it makes me not want to do the podcasting anymore. Tom, it's been a great pleasure meeting you. I look forward to continuing to stay in contact and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Yeah, I, I hope you come out. Big thanks to Tom for coming out to the show and sharing his tips for Chiang Mai. Show him some love by subscribing to his Smart Brand Marketing Podcast. Send me a tweet at We Travel There to share your favorite thing about Chiang Mai. All the links we talked about today can be found at wetravelthere.com forward slash Chiang Mai. We want to say thank you to Award Wallet for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track my airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Award Wallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we visit Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, to speak with my good friend Jamie Lorenas. In this episode, Jamie and I talk about embassy row parties, cherry blossoms in the spring, and the National Mall. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.